Hey everyone, this is Noah Randolph. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday deep dive. Uh, just a bit of an apology here. We unfortunately had some audio problems at the very beginning of this episode. So what I did was I just kind of cut out a little bit of that. And so it's going to kind of jump in really awkwardly. Um, again, apologies for that. Uh, I did the best we could, but uh, yeah, still we have much of just talking about different things on this episode. So we hope that you get something out of it. And uh, just thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks. Oh, we're getting see. something now. There we go. I don't know what you did, but we're we're live now officially. There's <laughs> always technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry about that. Whatever uh, happened, uh, we uh, were talking, but nothing came out of our mouths. <laughs> so hopefully that's fixed. If you guys are tuning in, you can hear us now. Give us the thumbs up. Let us know that it's working. <laughs> We've got a new setup this this week so yeah we're, trying, we're yeah. trying something a little bit yeah mobile. for those that don't know nick got the nice m1 mac and so we're, we're working on a new, <laughs> we're, new we're messing with the new toys getting yeah. the new setup going <laughs> it is super nice man i'm jealous <laughs> so um what we were talking about mm-hmm. is uh uh I'm going to ask a question of you. Right. Uh, and uh, this is our quirky query that we do every week. This one's kind of a little nerdy. Um, it's based off of a book that many of you might not uh, have heard of. If you have, awesome. Uh, it's a thick 600-page book called Paul and the Gift. Um, it's uh, kind of a biblical studies book that walks through right. the understanding of grace. Right. No- Noah and I are big uh Bible nerd mm-hmm. guys, we're real nerdy about Bible stuff, and there's a couple of podcasts that we listen to that focus in on some of that like deep nerdy Bible stuff, and one that's a particular favorite of both of ours is a podcast called On Script, and they do this icebreaker question similar to the one we do to start mm-hmm. every podcast, where they ask the different guests what is the most important book in biblical studies in that field of studying the Bible that has been written in the last. 50 years mm-hmm. and overwhelmingly the number one answer to that question every time is this particular book that was written a few years ago called Paul and the Gift by John, John Barclay. So it's a it's a it's a big thick book. It's pretty in-depth, very interesting. Like you said it talks about um grace and that word grace specifically. Um and I have not read it yet, but Noah did. He mm-hmm. he he you knocked it out pretty quickly. Right? I did. I did. I knocked it out pretty quickly because one, he's a great writer, and uh, he was easy to read. Some of these books are hard to read, uh, and two, it was really interesting. Those were like really interesting stuff. So, um, what I'm going to ask you today, I'm going to kind of explain the six characteristics to you, just in case you need a refresher on that, All and right. for everybody that's listening. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you a question based off of those six characteristics right. of grace. So, and just are- to introduce that a little bit to, like Noah said, the book, Paul and the Gift, is about the word grace, mm-hmm. which is this real Christian-y word. We use it all the time. People are use it as a name. I know a lot of people who are named grace, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about grace in churches and stuff. Um, and it's a word that we're really used to theologically, but um, it is a particular Greek word in the Bible, in, in the original language that the Bible was written in, in Greek. It's this particular word called charis which we translate as grace, but it's a it's a common word, an everyday word, a word that everyday Greek speakers would have used all the time for all kinds of different reasons. And um, and so that word charis is very central to 
a lot of what Paul, the Apostle Paul says in his writings. And um, John Barclay wrote this book to kind of try to dive into that word specifically and try to really understand what did Paul mean uh, when he used it. And so kind of one of the major sections of that book is where he talks about these perfections of grace, right? Mm -hmm. Which, how would you explain those? Right. So the six characteristics in order, um, we have, uh, superabundance, which is just basically a fancy word that means big, great, awesome. Um, the idea of how big does grace envelop you and the people and the world? How big can grace affect people? And, and I guess to explain that a little bit to you, I want to make sure we're not going too deep too quick. No, you're good. Um, you know, grace and that Greek word charis, especially mm-hmm. for that, those early uh, ancient peoples always had this idea of a, of a gift, mm-hmm. you know, it's a word that you could use for gift. So like if at Christmas I was giving you a gift, you could say I was giving you charis. And um, what Barclay means by kind of these perfections of grace is he's talking about, this is like what makes a gift a good gift? Right. You know, what What makes a charis good charis? And so the first one he talked about for a lot of these ancient peoples mm-hmm. and for a lot of the theologians who've studied it later, one of the first ones could be a gift is a good gift if it is big. a big gift. A big gift, <laughs> which, which makes so, sense, right? So That's the, one. The yes, second. So the second one um, is going to be the goodness of the giver, like how jovial, how well-intentioned the gift was right so if like someone gives you a gift that's for more manipulative reasons even if the size of the gift is amazing you're not going to like the gift because the person had bad motives right Mm -hmm. but if you give a gift with really good intentions behind it um, then you value that gift even more and that's what we call the goodness of the gift john barclay has a big word for that that i'm not going to use uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, it's called singularity but it's yeah yeah um, just how how how, how good, good is that gift how and good, good were the intentions how good were the intentions of the gift right. um so the third one and this one relates more to grace um is the uh priority of the gift and this is one that resonates with me as a four a lot because it's a gift that you give without asking for basically Mm -hmm. and so a gift is always better if you don't ask for it essentially Mm -hmm. um a lot of times if you're like well you didn't give me a gift or something and then if someone goes out and gives you a gift because you said that sentence um the gift doesn't mean as much as if they had just given the gift without you ever prompting them right Mm -hmm. uh and so that's another area of what makes gift giving so cool is when someone does it first before you ever right want it or asked for it or any type of thing like that. So that's another aspect of gift giving. Um, The fourth is incongruity. Um, And this is a fancy word that just means that you might, in relationship to the person that gives you a gift, you might be uh, of a lower status of a sense. And if someone from a higher status gives you a really awesome gift, Um, you feel way more valued than if you were of equal status because Mm -hmm. this higher status person gives you something when you're just this really low person. And there's this feeling of like, wow, they actually like notice me even though I'm like of this low status. Um, And so that 
matters to the gift overall because we get this feeling of, oh, this person that's high over us gave us something, right? It could also kind of relate to whether you feel like you deserve the gift or not, right? Mm -hmm. So like um, uh, a gift becomes very incongruous if it gets given to a person who just like completely completely doesn't doesn't deserve it yeah yeah you're so low in status basically that you didn't even deserve to have the the gift given to you you know um you're you may have even committed awful things and someone gives you a gift in spite of the fact that you committed awful things and that would mean more to you because you know you committed awful things but someone gave you a gift anyway Um, and that would be another example of incongruity so uh, there's that one. And then there's efficacy, which I have a suspicion this is the one that you're going to talk about when I ask mm. this question. But efficacy is how well does the gift land? Does the relationship improve as a result of mm-hmm. you, me giving you a gift? Mm-hmm. Does our relationship improve? Do we have a better um, – are, are, are you very happy about it? Do you go out into your life – a better person right. as a result of me giving you that gift. And it's kind of like the per, you know, usually you have some kind of purpose behind mm-hmm. giving a gift and how, how good does it accomplish that purpose? Right. How, how, of, how, uh, well does giving the gift accomplish the goal yeah. is really what efficacy is. Right. And then the final one is non circular, which is a fancy word that just means that it's a gift that you give expecting no strings attached, expecting nothing in return. It's a gift you give without expecting any type of, uh, thank you or gratitude or any type of, um, gift back from the person that receives the gift, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if a gift is given with no strings attached, it's a gift that's given without any expectations of the person receiving the gift having to do anything in return, right? right? So those are the six. Uh, if those that was too fast, just kind of go back and uh, rewatch that later. But my question to you, after all of that long buildup, is which of the six resonates with you most when it comes to grace. Right. Because Barclay's point in the book Mm -hmm. is that these six perfections of what makes a gift a good gift, what Mm -hmm. makes grace good grace, are different things that different theologians over the years have latched on to. So he argues that, like, Luther was big on... Non-reciprocal. Non-reciprocal or incongruity. Mm -hmm. Um, um, You know, different theologians have been really big on different ones of the six and that they resonate with different people differently. So like you said, the, what was the one that resonates with you a lot? Uh, the one that resonates with me a lot is the uh, priority. Um, so like uh, they give you the gift before you have to ask for it before I have to ask for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And that, that does, that means a lot more, makes it a really good gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you're spot on for me. It's efficacy. Yeah. That's what Uh, I thought. (laughs) I'm, I'm always about like getting things accomplished. Um, I love for a gift to accomplish what I had in mind for it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all I have in mind for it is just to make the other person happy, mm-hmm. you know? And so if the gift is good at making the other person happy, then I would say it's been very eff- efficacious. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the more simple word would be effective. Effective. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to make it any more complicated than it needs to be. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that's one of my favorite things. I'm, 
I'm not really good at giving gifts. You know, certain people yeah. are like awesome at yeah. giving gifts. I don't know that I'm good at it. But some of my favorite gifts that I've given people have been ones where I've just really been able to see that, especially like lots of times for me, giving a gift is wanting to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. And when I see that they're like stoked on the gift, that's mm-hmm. when I'm like, all right, good job, Nick. You're very effective in that gift giving. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, And that's definitely... One of yeah, because if I walk down it with mine, I could care less about how big the gift is. Like, if you buy me like a car versus you buy me like a pen with a Hebrew inscribed symbol on it or something like that, everything right. okay? Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, if you buy me one of those, like, uh, it's not really going to mean the difference. Like, m- how much money you spent on the gift doesn't really matter to me, honestly, uh, which is kind of crazy to say, but mm-hmm. it's true. It's just, I just don't think about it that way. Um, I would say on the second, the how good the intent is, is my number second. Hmm. So like how well-meaning you are when you give me that gift and how much your intention is just to be well-meaning and good-natured, that's probably my second is, uh, I, I, you know, I value the heart that's giving the gift as uh, more than anything. Um, so I would, I would rank them in terms of, uh, you got to give it to me without me thinking that I deserved it. Yeah, well, not mm-hmm. deserved it. Sorry, that's incongruity. You got to give it to me without me doing anything or doing any type of thing that you're responding to, right? Um, it's got to be first. Uh, and then you've got to give it to me uh, with a very like well-meaning heart, essentially. So those are my top two. What's yeah. what's your second? I'm curious. Um, maybe the abundance. Abundance? Like how, like like how, is how it, awesome is it, it is. Big, is it a big deal? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that means a lot to me whenever it is kind of that thing. So, um, yeah, it is. It, they, they, those resonate with, for, for different reasons for different people. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, I, I was just getting distracted. We've got, co- uh, seeing the comments oh, yeah. roll in yeah. different people tuning in. So shout out to Shelly and Anna and Adrian who are tuning in at nice. the moment. So this was a great question, a good uh, icebreaker, opener, quirky query question, (laughs) because it has a lot to do with the topic that we wanted to go into today Mm -hmm. specifically, um, which relates a little bit to the sermon on on Sunday. On Sunday, I preached on a very interesting passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't announce especially he's talking about in context of when you're giving things to the poor, helping the poor. He says, don't like announce it in the streets like the hypocrites do, you know, do it in secret. And if you do it in secret, you will be rewarded by your father in Mm. heaven. It's kind of his point. And it's a verse we've all heard a lot. And so what I really tried to key in on was that last part that you'll be rewarded by your father in heaven Mm -hmm. because that verse makes us a lot of us very uncomfortable for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, we, 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 whenever we hear that, um, it, it feels like theologically wrong in some form and it feels maybe kind of morally wrong for us. And so I wanted to look into some of the reasons why that is. My point on Sunday was just that sometimes 
we don't understand that God's a good father who wants to give us good gifts. And so we should, should, why should we get in the way of him wanting to reward his children for doing awesome things? You know, yeah. it's like, uh, like on Christmas day, parents love giving presents to their kids. Why should it bother us that God wants to do the same for us? Which is a, a good, like general thing to, to really keep in mind. But the point I really wanted to focus on today was more about trying to dig into like our own culture a little bit as mm-hmm. Americans, as American Christians, as evangelical Christians, and really try to like suss out what, why does that make us so uncomfortable? <laughs> why are we so uncomfortable with that idea of, um, of reward, um, in, in that scripture, you know, why does it bother us so much that it says that you will get a reward for helping the poor <laughs> in some mm. form or another? And um, so I wanted to go into a few of the different reasons. I think the biggest one, and I meant to mention this even on Sunday, because I feel like people were probably screaming at their TV screens. They're just like, <laughs> I know why it gives us problems, because they'll say because of works righteousness, you know, mm-hmm. which is this theological term that gets used all the time. But um in, in evangelical Christianity, it basically is this idea of um, of earning our salvation, you know, by doing a lot of good things to earn our salvation. And um, that is something that, uh, especially in the Reformation um, and a lot of the Christian traditions that all American churches are a part of, they're all a part of that Protestant Reformation. That became something that was like, no, we don't we don't ever do that. We 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 don't deserve anything that we get. We don't deserve salvation. We have been uh, saved by grace through faith. No works, you know, that's the, the, the big thing that, that is central to all of that. And I still think that's really, you know, true and important. Um, cause I do want to emphasize that the, that the reward we get in heaven is not heaven itself or not right. salvation. So I'm not saying that we get to go to heaven because we give good things to the poor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what Jesus was saying either. You know, he's not saying uh, that that's not the reward. The reward is not your salvation or your mm. redemption or anything like that. Uh, that was accomplished through the work that Jesus did, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't know what the reward is exactly. I believe it's a heavenly reward, but it's not salvation. I'm not saying that, we're rewarded with salvation. And I think that's really clear to just like state up front. But I think because as evangelical Christians and because we're all kind of part of that Protestant tradition, we, because we were so like anti works righteousness, we kind of got to this position to where we were just like anti reward period, (laughs) you know, where it was just like, I don't, uh, I don't deserve anything. I'm a horrible person who deserves nothing. You know, I never deserve anything good. I'm a, I'm a wretch. I'm a worm, you know, all that kind of language that a lot of people will use in churches. And so we get really uncomfortable when we read these passages of Jesus where he's just like, if you help the poor or if you forgive others or if you, you know, you will have a reward of some sort in heaven. Um, that's really uncomfortable with us for us because we're just kind of like, no, I don't, I don't deserve it. I'm a horrible person. I don't deserve anything. I think of it a lot as I've known a few different people that are like this, you know, I, 
you ever had a friend or a person that like you just can't they will just never accept a compliment or a gift or anything that you give them i probably was that guy a (laughs) long part of my life yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like you try to compliment them and they're Mm -hmm. like oh no 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 i mean i didn't do anything i was that guy (laughs) yeah yeah i know a lot of people that are like that and and that's frustrating you know you get frustrated you know it's like they think they're being humble but you're just like come on just accept the compliment (laughs) um I think in a lot of ways, we can unknowingly be doing that to God. God's like, hey, I want to, you know, give you a reward for doing this. You did a great job. You know, good job following, obeying my commands and all this kind of stuff. And we're just sitting there like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just a sinner. I'm a wretch. I don't deserve anything. And so we have, like, forced ourselves to to, to, to have this, this super low opinion of ourselves, hmm. believing that we just don't deserve anything Hmm. and so that that in general has been one of the main issues i think we have had when we read these passages of reward which i'm going to reference a few others as we go along in the sermon on the mount it comes up a lot (laughs) you would be surprised how often in the sermon on the mount jesus appeals to the fact that there is some sort of reward Hmm. that should motivate you for the things that you're doing or not doing so that's been really interesting um but i think the other reason and this is what i really wanted to focus on today is that when it comes to our own relationship with wealth and with financial reward and with finances and all that kind of stuff, I think we have had a very conflicted relationship with it in, in, in America where we kind of like think about it from, from opposite sides you know i'll hear people say things that almost sound like they're opposing each other Mm. all the time when it comes to those ideas of wealth and because we have such a difficult time with wealth we end up having a really difficult time with rewards or deserving anything or getting anything back in exchange for the work we do or whatever it might be i first started thinking about this a lot when i was uh, talking to um, to my wife adrian We, we were she was doing some freelance like graphic design work for a uh, like a family friend at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like struggling to figure out how much she should charge mm-hmm. for that, you know? And like, she had a number in mind of like, this would be a fair rate. This is what would be a fair rate for a graphic designer to charge for this sort of work. Um, and she, and me even, neither of us, we couldn't, we just like, couldn't bring ourselves to charge that. We we're like, no, that's too much money. No, I don't know about that. I don't And, um, and so we ended up charging way less money and ended up being a really, really difficult, really difficult project for her that she put a ton of hours into. And by the end, she was just like angry and upset that she didn't get paid what she thought she actually deserved for the work that she had done. And we had that same conversation later with um, my mother-in-law, uh, my mother-in-law, Renee. We were talking to her and she was talking about how she had had the same struggle. She had just finished um knitting these like or like sewing together these cool little christmas ornaments that had to do with like the 12 days of christmas and um or it may not have been that i think she was knitting some some little bunnies she does all kinds of crafts it's hard to remember exactly which one it was at the time um but she was having a hard time figuring out how to price those and how to sell them and she knew what they would be worth she had found out what other people had sold them for and she's just just having a hard time charging that amount for the work that she had done even though she like deserved it even though that was a totally fair price it's not like she was overcharging people or anything like that but she herself was also having a hard time 
charging that kind of money for the things he was doing. And it was interesting on the drive home after talking to my mother-in-law, me and Adrian were just sitting there and we were like, why are, why do so many Christians we know have such a hard time accepting like a fair rate for the, the things we sell or the services we offer or the things that we do. And, um, part of the answer I think we landed on is that we, we have this conflicted relationship with wealth in the United States as Christians in the United States, especially one of the big things that's supposed to set apart America and the United States is that we, um, you can, you can like build wealth here. That's supposed to, you know, the whole American dream, the, the dream of America, the whole purpose of the American dream is this idea that like, even if you're poor now, you don't have to stay poor. <laughs> if you work hard, if you get a good education, go find a good job, save your money, be disciplined, you can build wealth. That's, that's the American dream. And, um, from the history of America, that's why people come here, you know, cause they want access to that dream. Cause unfortunately in a lot of other countries, a lot of other parts of the world, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes you can work extra hard. You can do everything possible and you're still probably not going to get ahead. So because it's so foundational to America, as Americans, we really believe that you should deserve to get paid for the work that you do, and you should deserve to be able to build wealth. That's something that's like fundamental to the American worldview. Hmm. But the difficulty for us as Christian Americans is that the Bible is much less positive when it comes to wealth. Um, and Jesus especially is um, very cautionary about wealth and has a lot of like harsh words to say to the rich and the wealthy in his day and age. He has a lot of warnings about the wealthy. He has um, a lot of lines where he says that, you know, um, it's easier for the a camel to go through an, the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, there's a lot of the gospels later and the other epistles that have just kind of this caution towards the wealthy and towards the rich and um and even some of the parables jesus tells have rich men and rich people acting horribly you know Mm. as like bad people and it all of those reasons are the reasons people end up saying all the time they're like you know jesus was a communist right you know and they their defenses for that or how negative he is about wealth and all that kind of stuff that's a whole conversation for another day. We won't talk about that today necessarily. Oh, can of worms. But, but I think Jesus's negative words towards wealth is why people think that. Why they think, okay, yeah, Jesus was a communist. Because look, look how negative he is about riches and wealth. And I think that's created like a conflict for us as as American Christians, where we're like, here in the U.S., I should be able to build wealth by, you know the sweat of my brow and I pull myself by my own bootstraps and wealth is good and I deserve to be paid for the work that I do. And, 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 and that's a good thing. But then on the other side, we have all of these negative things that show up in the Bible related to wealth. And I think it creates this kind of disconnect where we just like, don't know how to feel about it. And I I find this with Christians a lot, even Christians who are like, who are successful, you know, who do really well in their businesses and make a lot of money. It's like anytime they mention it, they're always having to like caution it by saying, but like, but like, don't worry. I, I give a lot of money to the church. I, I, I tithe or, you know, I don't, I don't have more, um, 
riches than I need and all, all, all kinds of different things like that. There's, um, there's that like inter inner battle that I think a lot of Christians are feeling as it relates to, to wealth specifically. Have you noticed that? Do you think that's a good yeah, encapsulation yeah. of what the problem is? I'll tell a story cause I feel like you did a lot of the explanation. So I'll kind of give a story of kind of how this works out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend uh, that's very into economics and uh, we would have conversations about this all the time because prior to having conversations with you, I kind of would say I fell into that camp of thinking that uh, the best way as a Christian that you should live uh, would be is if you uh, never like tried to earn any type of reward for anything that you did, that you did everything for free basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And that that was the best way to live your Christian life. And in very much theologically minded ways, I argued that, um, the best way to love God was to love God without expecting heaven or any type of reward that God would give you. You should love God without thinking of heaven or thinking Mm of, uh, any type of good thing that he might give you. Um, and my arguments for that was that like, you know, life is not always going to be great. You know, like if you're in a really awful place, it's better to have my view because you're not getting good things right now in the present. So you can love God in spite of what you're getting right now. Right. Right. Um, and the idea was that like, if you, expect those things mm-hmm. if you want to get something in return for the things that you're doing mm-hmm. then that somehow like cheapens it it's not right. as good it's not it's not something that christians should right want. right if i'm expecting god if i'm only doing good things because god is promising me heaven then like you know am i really doing good things for the right reason you know uh and uh you know I had a friend who was very economic thinking and he really challenged me on that because he saw the entire world and everything that we did as always exchanging one service for another service. So he would look at, uh, me, um, doing some type of kind deed for another person as me expecting that other person to do something in return for me one day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or he'd look at, uh, or maybe, maybe only you just expect to, you want to consider yourself to be a good person. You want to think of yourself as a good person. Mm -hmm. So maybe sometimes you do the right thing because the reward you get is that you get to think of yourself as a good person. Exactly. Like there's all kinds of things. Yeah. Basically there was always a way that every time you did a good deed, it was a, a win-win essentially is the way he put it, where if you did a good deed for someone else, it uh, increased your own value and it increased the value of the other person that was receiving whatever you did. Um, yeah. I remember this, uh, cause it, uh, it, we were both there. We went to get dinner uh, with this friend mm-hmm. at, um, Mexican Las Delicias, yeah, the Mex- Mexican yeah. restaurant mm-hmm. over on, yeah. mm-hmm. at the end of get well. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I remember cause it was like a, we, we sat there for a long time. Because I thought like you did too. We were both kind of on this mm-hmm. same position and we were sitting there trying to argue with this friend, trying to tell him, no, 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 no. You should never expect anything back. If you expect something back, that's a bad thing. And he was like, no, that's not true. He said, everyone always expects something back. Mm-hmm. His point was like, that's just how the world works. That's right. just how human beings work. You know, right. we do things and we get rewarded for it. And, and I've since win-win. come around to that a lot more. Like even people that are like, caring about you are in some sense hoping to 
build a relationship with you. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're, they're not just trying to care about you and then never see you again. They want a friendship, you know, like, you know, there's always something that, uh, they're hoping to build, you know, and I don't think that's wrong. You know, I, I think some people might be offended that, uh, people have ulterior motives to things, but um, I don't think that's that's wrong. And a lot of the times, I think what we're hoping for is subconscious, even you know. And you can't blame someone for doing something good for a subconscious reason. I don't think you can. Um, yeah, and it's so, more just like if we're all honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. all the things that we're doing, there is some expectation of a reward, right? Right. And so after kind of having a lot of conversations. Like, Along those lines, I began to see that even in Scripture, especially in Ephesians, actually, uh, I think it's Ephesians 2, um, there's a lot of reward language mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, you've inherited something. There's inheritance language. Mm-hmm. Um, there's these ideas that, like, this isn't just, like, um, something. It's not always couched in the terms of this is something that you get undeservedly that you never earned you know uh a lot of times there are passages that seem to indicate that like there is this uh uh eventual good thing that will happen to us that's a reward for what we're doing and the passage that you preached on is one Mm -hmm. of those passages right where he's saying uh don't look for human praise for the things you're doing wait until the end of time and at the end of time you will get a heavenly reward for these things right. that will be way bigger than any human praise. And, you know, your point in the sermon was, I feel like a lot of us would say we're uncomfortable even asking for a reward, mm-hmm. you know, like we're uncomfortable even, um, you know, doing a good thing for the sake of a reward, but that's the way it's kind of laid out in scripture. So, um, yeah, no, I, I've, I've definitely seen that. And like I said, I, I would, count myself i would have counted myself among those people that Mm -hmm. would have been uncomfortable with that right and i tried to say that in the sermon myself too i i I also was and what really changed it for me was i remember that same conversation Mm -hmm. at mexican restaurant las delicias uh really made me rethink things and the same thing just i kept reading over and over and over again how much this language of reward is just all throughout the bible it's really kind of hard to deny in a lot of ways there was a second moment where I really noticed a lot of this difficult relationship that we have with money. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in when I was living in Florida, um, I was doing my grad school work, trying to get prepared to do this church plant stuff that I'm doing here. And um, we, Adrian and I got the awesome opportunity to spend that year living with a couple who were uh, leaders in the church that we were in, that I was interning at. Um, and I remember I was uh, speaking to uh, to Brian, the husband of that couple, my friend Brian, who um, uh, we were living at his house, and I was sitting there talking to him. And Brian's a super cool guy um, who has uh, really gotten a lot of opportunities to be in leadership at different churches. And he had gotten the chance lots of times to be an elder. He'd been an elder at a few different churches, you know, like mm-hmm. the part of the governing board of a lot of those churches. And I had a great conversation one time with Brian where he was talking about how hard it is to argue for a good salary for a preacher or a pastor Mm. at a Mm. church. Uh, This is something he was personally very passionate about. Um, He uh, just over and over and over again, he said he'd be on these elder boards 
And people would just be like, ah, we can't pay the pastor that much. That's too much money to pay the pastor. And always, he says, people are like trying to make sure that the pastor gets paid like next to nothing. <laughs> you know, they don't want the pastor to get paid a lot. And he was always really uh, upset about that because he was like, half the people on this board are like six-figure salary people <laughs> mm. who who have work in in different jobs make a lot of money and they're all sitting here being like no well i can make that much money but not not the pastor Mm -hmm. that he can't make that much money and he said that there was always this argument and he was really upset about it because i mean he's like you know most pastors have gone to seminary which is a grad school degree they've paid for undergrad grad school they have a lot of very specialized skills that nobody else could do he said i think they deserve to be paid yeah, well, I think it's they work that verse that you preached on backwards, mm-hmm. whereas instead of uh, instead of saying, OK, you're in a situation where you're trying to uh, like earn praise through human, you know, praise, you should seek heavenly praise. Right. Mm-hmm. They look at it backwards and they say, oh, this pastor is in a heavenly position. Right. So because he's in a heavenly position. Uh, we're going to basically not give him a lot of money because we know his rewards actually come in heaven. Right. You know, uh, we know that like, you know, his, he shouldn't even be, if he were living out this verse, then he wouldn't want a lot of money, you know, yeah. it's sort of the way that they think. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and so we won't give it to him. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's exactly what Brian was saying. He said, it's, it's just this idea where they like, people obviously they want their pastor to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I want him to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my pastor to be a good guy. And because we have this conflicted view of money, we're like, well, well, Jesus said money was bad. So don't give the pastor money because mm-hmm. that'll make him a worse person. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll morally compromise him in some form yeah. or another kind of in their mind. And so they like purposely work to kind of keep people uh, ministry people, especially clergy and people that work in churches, um, on the lower end of the income bracket. Um, I, I was think when I was talking to Brian, I, I remember a conversation I had with my, when, when I still worked at Avenue coffee, that shop we both worked at. And mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy one time and he was just telling me, <laughs> this guy told me he, he was thoroughly convinced that no preacher or pastor actually believed the Bible. He was convinced that anybody who actually studied the Bible would know that it's not true. And he knew that all these guys had studied it. And so he knew that they didn't really believe it. And he was convinced the reason they pretended to believe it was so they could get people's money. Mm. You know, he, 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 he was convinced that it was just to get, it's like a get rich quick scheme. All these pastors were just lying to people so that they could get money out of them Hmm. get rich and i tried to be real like kind and polite but i mean i remember the whole time he was talking i'm just like cracking up on the inside because i've mentioned before on both sides of my family we've had tons of people that have all been in ministry and i can guarantee you no one is doing it to get rich in my circles um you know like uh no one in either side of my family has ever earned a very good income doing ministry, you know, Mm. like you've got your nationwide averages and stuff like that. They're always on the lower end Mm. of those averages. And in fact, most pastors that I know are closer to the like poverty level of income than most people would realize. Obviously I know there's those like health and wealth 
prosperity gospel type guys, you know, Joel Joel Osteen's and people like that Mm -hmm. who are definitely raking in the money. Mm -hmm. But I think they're more the exception than the rule. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of pastors have this experience that Brian was saying they had where they just get paid very, very little. And a lot of people think that it's it's fine. It's good for them to not get paid a lot because it's a humble life. Yeah, (laughs) they, they need to be humble. And what was really interesting to me was that Brian was upset about it because he said they never apply that to themselves. <laughs> yeah, they don't put themselves in the shoes no, of the pastor. <laughs> no, it's fine if the pastor doesn't make a lot of money, but I got to, you know, I need I need that promotion. I deserve that promotion. I've been working really hard. I I work really hard at work. I deserve my mm-hmm. salary. Mm-hmm. And uh when I was having that conversation with Brian, I realized this was just a, yet another example of that weird way where we have this conflicted relationship where we kind of talk out of both sides of our mouths mm-hmm. as Christians when it comes to to wealth and to reward and to deserving to get compensated. That particular passage is that particular problem is one that Paul addresses himself directly. There's a verse where Paul says, "Pay the minister." <laughs> he yeah. says the worker is worthy of his wages. Yeah. And um that particular idea was something that really was um i realized how foundational it was to to paul and to he just thought it's just a fact of life if you work for something you deserve to be paid by it Hmm. and so he was saying if you work in the ministry you deserve to be paid in the ministry Hmm. if you work as a graphic designer you deserve to be paid as a graphic designer if you work knitting you know crafts for people you deserve to be paid for those. Mm. And that ultimately has been really freeing for me to just really actually believe that, mm. that that is not only something that just makes sense to us, but it is like essential for Christians. That should be something that Christians believe Christian. It's like central to Christianity that we believe that people should be compensated fairly mm. <laughs> for the work and the things that they do. Um, that's why I've always had this kind of idea of like, I try to tip really well when I go to restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, cause I know a lot of my friends that work in service industry do not get paid well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, they deserve to get paid for the work that they're doing. Yeah. I have been myself a member of a few like, uh, boards for like nonprofits for ministries and stuff like that. And I'm always trying to argue really, really well that, um, they get that the workers get paid a good living wage. Hmm. I've tried to do that here at the church um, with all the people that have worked here at the church. Um, you know, it's hard sometimes, but we're doing what we can to make sure that people are getting paid a good wage for the amount of hours yeah. that they're working. And, you know, I don't want Wayfarers to be another example of one of those churches where people don't get, um, don't get paid well hmm. <laughs> for the work that they're, and doing. I can say you pay well. <laughs> like I'm your employee. Yeah. I can say that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, that's some, that's why I want to do that. That's why I want to mm-hmm. pay well for the, the, the people that work here, because I think, um, it's a good, like Christian testimony thing even, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think it's kind of sad that a lot of, uh, churches and ministries are known for not, paying well Mm. and not giving people what they deserve 
And so for all of those reasons, I think that's kind of the key to helping us get over this weird hang up we have between like, do I deserve it? Do I not deserve it? Should I get paid? Should I not get paid? You know, all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff is like one, we should understand that we're not talking about, do you deserve to go to heaven or not? Yeah. Because that unequivocally is no, (laughs) we all know we do not deserve that. We're all sinners. Mm -hmm. We, we, we know that we don't deserve that aspect of the grace of God. Mm Mm-hmm. But do you deserve the rewards that God wants to give you for obedience? Yeah. God himself says yes. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Jesus says, yeah, you, you deserve to be rewarded for, for helping people in, in secret without your, you know, fanfare and all the mm-hmm. people noticing. You deserve to be rewarded for faithfulness and obedience to him. And I don't know what that reward's going to look like. I don't know what that means. Jesus definitely seems to imply that a big part of that reward comes in uh, the, the age to come. But um, I think that should be a good thing. That We should be uh, encouraged and excited about the fact that God is a God who wants to reward people for <laughs> for doing good. Yeah. You know? And that should be something that encourages us, not something that makes us uncomfortable. And then if that is true my big kind of like final push is that I just really think if all of that is true, then especially Christians, we should be extra good about making sure that people get what they deserve and are paid well, are compensated well, are rewarded well for all of the things that they do. We shouldn't be uncomfortable with that. Um, Obviously all the warnings of Jesus when it comes to, to riches and wealth definitely still stand Mm -hmm. but i think that's what they are they are they are warnings they're not prohibitions yeah you know if you look at the history of the early church there were lots of very wealthy people that were a part of the early church we have lots of them are named even in some of the in the book of acts and in some of the epistles these wealthy people who had big houses that they would allow people to come in and have church in Mm. you know a lot of people know that uh, the early Christians met in houses, you know, They'll talk, that's something that a lot of people realize they didn't have like church buildings. So they met in homes. But what most people don't realize is that the average ancient Israelite or Roman home of that day and time was like a little one bedroom house. Yeah. There's no way a whole church could have met in that little one bedroom mm-hmm. house. And so when they say they met in homes, what usually they mean is they met in the homes of the richest members of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the wealthiest members of the church who had the big houses with the big open courtyards and villas, that's where the Christians would meet. Those are the types of homes that they would meet in. So there were wealthy people that were a part of those early churches. It's not like wealth in and of itself was a bad thing, you know, but I think my real application of a lot of what Jesus is saying is he's saying, it's not that wealth is a bad thing. It's just that you have to understand that the wealth is going to get in the way of you wanting to be faithful yeah. to, to God. There's a, there's a danger that comes to wealth, just like there's a danger to so many other things in life, but that doesn't mean it's like completely off the table. Yeah. And I think that's just in general been my um, <laughs> sort of my weird rallying cry lately. Hmm. So yeah, I would agree with that. I would say that like um, I feel like in some senses the the kind of reasons we feel so squeamish about it might also be the um, just we have enough stories at our 
point in life to know that like money can always cause really hard like relationships to buckle and like, Mm -hmm. you know, can just really cause a lot of, uh, uh, tension, you know, and I mean, the kind of easy thing to do is if you're in a pastoral position is to really just like, uh, not address it at all. Right. Know? Like just sort of keep your head down and like, I'm the type of personality that's very much driven that way where like, um, I was, it's interesting cause the whole passages you preached on, uh, I very little focused on the money side of it and so much more focused on the, the what Jesus is trying to tell people to do in the situation, you know? Uh, so the money part of it was way less of a, of a factor in me hearing Jesus's words. And it was mm-hmm. way more about like, uh, really wrestling with whether or not you should, uh, not, you should speak up for what you're doing or not doing, you know? Right. And it was way more focused on that. But, uh, you know, as we've been talking, it's like, yeah, no money's such a huge part of that whole dynamic is it's, it's way more focused on how money relates to this issue and how you navigate those types of situations, um, than anything. So, yeah, no, I, it just, it's interesting how, we oftentimes when money comes up, we immediately mentally like try and kick it out as quick as possible and not mm-hmm. talk about it, you know? Um, and it may just be something that we've been brought up to do that, you know, like, yeah, you, you just don't really, uh, think right. about, but I do think, you know, I do think a lot of people who aren't Christians and aren't involved in the church, mm-hmm. they believe what that guy was telling me at Avenue. They mm-hmm. believe that preachers are, just rolling in cash <laughs> and are uh are are cheating their yeah. their church members out of their money yeah. you know to do it and so because of that churches want to be very careful to not sound like they're being greedy or they're asking for too yeah. much money or whatever um my preacher growing up at my home church jeff i remember he always um he always <laughs> would preach maybe once a year he'd preach on the concept Mm -hmm. of tithing and on giving and on giving to the church and it was so funny how often he always had to have like a five minute intro before the sermon just to be like i'm not saying this because i'm want to a raise i'm not saying this because i want your money i you know he, Mm -hmm. he always had to have like this whole little like preemptive warning at the beginning to avoid a lot of that that implication of trying to take people's money. And so because of that, we hesitate to talk about this issue sometimes. And I think that's a problem Mm -hmm. um, for all of the reasons I mentioned before, but especially because um, Jesus does talk about money a lot. Mm -hmm. It is something that comes up. I think especially in Luke, Luke is way more focused on uh, a good example of this, that uh, it's kind of a nerdy side note, but if you look at the Beatitudes in Luke and in Matthew, in Matthew, Matthew has Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit. But in Luke, it's just blessed are the poor. Yep. Um, and so uh, you can tell that Luke is using a more uh, money-based scheme in his writing of that passage uh, than Matthew is, which is a really interesting thing. So. It really is. Uh, just this last... Um. Uh, yesterday, I guess. Yeah, just mm-hmm. yesterday, our worship leader here at the church, uh, Joseph Jenkins, he got to 
um, uh, teach and preach and do a little bit of worship for the Mid-South Christian College chapel service mm-hmm. yesterday. And he preached on a passage from Luke. And I remember I was talking with him afterwards about that that thread through Luke where Luke just talks about money, money a lot. Mm-hmm. Luke brings up yeah. a lot of the things Jesus said about money. And it is this topic that Jesus references over and over and over again. And so it's important to talk about it. And I think that's that's my only point I'm trying to make right now is let's start having the conversation. Hmm. Let's talk about it. Let's not brush it under the rug. Let's not weirdly try to pay people less than they deserve because I don't think that's the good Christian thing to do. <laughs> let's not force them to be poor because we think it makes them more holy. Uh, let's... Um, Let's have those conversations. Let's make sure that we're talking about it. Let's make sure we're not sweeping it under the rug. And when we have those conversations, I think it can help us to really be able to live those lives that Jesus is calling us to in every aspect of our life, including money. Do you think that like it's the role of any Christian to ask for what they're worth? In a church setting, then, because that's the that's the question really we've danced around. You yeah. know, is like, is you know, uh, say I'm a photographer, for instance, mm-hmm. and on the outside of the church, I would charge, you know, a thousand dollars to shoot these photos, right? But the church wants me to do it. Should I charge less, or should it be a thousand dollars? Um, I, I'm feeling like you should charge a thousand charge what you charge normally you should mm-hmm. deserve, you know, you can make the decision if you're like as a favor to mm-hmm. my church cause I want to yeah. help them out. Mm-hmm. I'll charge you a little less, but I don't think you should feel like you have to do that. Mm-hmm. I think you should, you should, um, have the freedom to know that like you're not doing anything wrong yeah. by asking to be compensated for the work that you're doing. And my desire is less that people would have to speak up for themselves and be like, Mm -hmm. I deserve to be paid more. And my desire is more that we can have this at the forefront of our minds so that we don't, so that from the beginning we pay people what they're worth. Mm -hmm. They don't have to ask us that in some form. I I guess I want to be careful though, too, to say that if you did choose to like charge less i don't think you're wrong no no absolutely Um, not and i I, you know it goes both ways yeah you're not you're not wrong Mm -hmm. for charging what you usually think you're worth you're also not wrong for charging less if you want Mm -hmm. um my only point is that um do you believe being rewarded for Mm -hmm. what you do Mm -hmm. does not make you less holy Mm. you're not a worse person you're not a sinner (laughs) for by receiving compensation or reward for the things that you do, whether it's here on earth or in heaven. So here's my question then though. So say there's a photographer that charges $500 to the church Mm -hmm. instead of the normal thousand. Do you think that person does have more rewards in heaven? Um, Possibly. As a result. I don't know. Mm -hmm. God's the one who doles out those rewards Mm -hmm. at the end. So I have no idea what he, uh, is going to reward or not mm-hmm. in the passage with what Jesus is talking about is helping the poor and the needy. Yeah. And so, you know, if your church is struggling, if it's not doing as well, yeah, I think that could fit within that of mm-hmm. like, here, I'm going to help you out. We're going to do it cheaper. Mm. Um, and that might be a cool thing to help you, you know, 
sometimes you may be like, I can't afford to give you a discount, you know, like yeah. you feel like I don't, I don't have the means to charge you less or something like that. Cause I think that's subconsciously what goes through a lot of people's heads is like, Oh, if I charge less, that means I'll get a reward in the heavenly realm for a result. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that that's a wrong attitude Thought. to have. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God wants us to be helping people out. Mm-hmm. He's a good God who likes to give us good gifts. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to reward you for, for that sort of faithfulness yeah. to, yeah. to the way of Christ. So I think that's about all I had for us today. Um, it's a, it's a, a difficult topic. We're going to talk about it <laughs> more and more at other different points in time. Uh, this Sunday, we're talking about prayer specifically. Another interesting uh, topic that can be a little bit uh, difficult for people, I think. I've, mm. I've noticed, especially if you haven't grown up in church, prayer can be kind of a weird yeah. thing. Like, what does that even mean? So if you want to know about prayer, if you've ever um, had some questions about it, that's what we're going to be dealing with this Sunday in our Sunday service. Hope to see you all uh, there. Tune in live with us Sunday evening at 7. Otherwise, we hope to see you on the next weekly deep dive. Weekly Wednesday deep dive. I was trying to do some alliteration there (laughs) off camera earlier in our weekly Wednesday deep dive. Uh, We hope to see you then. Um, But until then, have a great week. We'll see you this Sunday or next Wednesday. Bye, everybody. Thanks, all.